Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tonaris podcast. This week, we have an interesting lady. Um, and we had an interesting, I suppose, interaction with her only a couple of days ago. Um, so interesting, in fact. And Saturday night, I got an email from her, and on Monday night, she's on the podcast. Without further ado, Victoria Keating, singer, songwriter. How are you? And welcome to Churchfield. Thanks so much, James. Thanks to me. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, honestly, I've been following you, you know, from the time my daughter Alex told me about you over the summer. Mm. And I just think what you're doing is fantastic. Your daughter is in Amsterdam? She's oh. in Amsterdam. Well, yeah, Alex. This, this is interesting, no? because yeah. and, um, apparently this podcast has been listened to in uh, 24 countries. There's somebody in the Cayman Islands has watched every episode because we get the analytics. Now, my sister taught me that they might be using a VPN or some sort of software that hides their uh, oh, address. Where the, the so um, it's been accessed in Amsterdam. It can yep. be accessed in the Cayman Islands. I uh, I want to believe it's been accessed all over the world. Of course We're worldwide podcast. <laughs> yeah, global. <laughs> so hi to your daughter and tell her thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> I love you. Um <laughs> <laughs> Felt <laughs> exactly, but uh, you sent us an email the other night. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A few months ago, um, Christy Moore sent us an email saying he enjoyed the podcast. He was a big fan. He particularly liked John Lonergan's and Senator Lenoir's episodes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Christy Moore! We have a lecturer in criminology. Um, she's from Vienna. And he was like, oh, what's the big deal, Christy Moore? I said, it's like, Christy Moore is to us what Mozart is to Vienna. Yeah. And I think that's the best description I can give Christy Moore. But, um, <laughs> that's brilliant. Can you tell yeah. us uh, how Christy Moore became a fan of the podcast or your link to him? Well, I'll tell you, um, my daughter Alex um, sent me, as I said, the link to you guys over the summer. And I've been watching you know, uh, listening to you on my walks ever since. Um, you know that thing, temptation bundling? I'm only allowed to listen to the podcasts when I'm walking. I have mm, to, I can't oh. be doing it around the house. I have to be outside and mm, walking. Yeah. So um, so she sent me a link and I loved it straight away. She said, Mom, I think you're going to love it. And um, I said, um, I don't know why I said Mom there because she calls me Ma'am. But anyway, yeah, that's so <laughs> See, there you go now. Like. Ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> but she said I think you're going to love this and uh, normally when she sends me something I love it um, but this uh, this was really special like I just yeah. I was just I thought I was blown away I was blown away by what you're doing um, and being so honest and in your own accents and not trying to be something you know or anything yeah. like that it's just amazing what you're doing thank you very so, much you're very welcome um, so I thought Jesus uh, Christy would love this so I sent him on the links and um, I, I put in the, by the tongue, I think here's some goodies for you, Christy. Like, you know, and it was linked to you guys. And there was also a link to my friend Martin Lee. He, he did, um, he had a song done. So anyway, um, I, he, I, he emailed me back um, saying he loved it, thought it was brilliant. And he said the two favorite episodes um, was Mikey co- Olin was it Mikey Young lad yeah it was Lonergan and yeah. the other guy um, I don't remember the second one but um, so and then Alex uh, sent me a screenshot of a tweet that he he yeah. said Mara, Mara lads or something yeah, yeah he sent Mara us lads. the email and sure yeah. I screenshotted that and threw it up into Twitter that's what it, okay yeah. cool okay yeah. see that's yeah my technical yeah. you know yeah. 
but um I suppose like um when I got sober first I met uh the love of my life De- uh, Declan Sinnott and um he we started singing together I suppose in around 2012 maybe and before that um he would be recording uh with Christy and they would record in Deck's house Deck has a studio in his house so Deck asked me to um record some backing vocals on uh Christy's album Folktale at the time I think that was 2012 2012 mm-hmm. something like that and he said look I haven't said it to Christy that I'm putting the harmonies on, but he said, it's like this. If he likes it, you'll stay on. And if he doesn't like it, you know, so I just thought whatever happens, I'm actually singing on a Christy Moore song today yeah. in my head. That's, yeah. that's enough. Like, you know, but, um, so Christy really liked it. And, um, I've been on all of his albums since, and we've, we've done tours and things like that, you know, and mm. played Vicker Street and, um, Glastonbury, uh, Barrowland and the Waterfront Hall in Belfast, you know. How, how is it? How- What's it like for somebody that's in recovery to be going to all these different festivals and stuff? Do you know, that's a great question because when I came out of recovery first, Timmy, I was offered to do a few things with them just in bands around. And (laughs) one thing I was offered was to be the lead singer in a Led Zeppelin cover band. And I I love Led Zeppelin, Mm -hmm. like, you know, so I was going, yeah. (laughs) And I thought... No, you can't do that <laughs> because I'd be just going back into the same bars that I was falling out of mm. a few months back, I do you know? know? Like, so I thought, no, I can't do that. Be um, like asking me to do the tambourine for the pogs. <laughs> 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 I'd be drinking out of a keg and a half and all. Exactly. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, it would be brilliant, but like it would be too brilliant. So um, I said, I said no. And I, um, I just said, I'm going to give myself this time now to just recover you know mm. and like put some work on myself because you know yourself you come out of addiction and I was 17 in my head I was still yeah. 17 yeah. I had the emotional maturity of a 17 year old mm. you know because mm. um, that's when I started drinking so yeah, do you want to tell us a little about uh, where you're from um, yeah. and what it was like growing up we, yeah. we, we went straight forward we were straight to Christy <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But like, you know, he's the link. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, like, so, exactly. Yeah, he's the link to the show. Like, exactly, you know? but we're only interested yeah. in you right now. Yeah. And I think when we start with guests, mm. um, by the time you get into your, your main part, your story, mm. if we can get an understanding of who you are, where you're from, people can yeah. be able to identify generally. Totally. Which I, I put a person yeah. behind yeah. Yeah. the story. So you said you're from Cove. Yeah, I'm from Cove originally. Um, born in 1970. So I was 50 this year in February. And Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you very much. Big one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm big. I'm a big girl now. <laughs> I'm forty. I'm forty myself. She's yeah, yeah, Jesus. Very, very here today. <laughs> I am pushing on. You know, it's like yeah. fifty is the best age yeah. ever. Like, Fuck it! I was thirty-five on Halloween, and Rowan's birthday is the twentieth November, December. So, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you're only babies. I know, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I grew up in Cove, and uh, I mean, I had a great childhood. My parents are lovely people, you know. Um couldn't say we wanted for anything you know um there was just always a want in me <laughs> yeah. I suppose you know and um I discovered drink I suppose when I was like I was really shy growing up and I hated school so much oh my god yeah. I was like academically I would have been pretty okay you know pretty good in primary school and then whatever happened in secondary school I just I couldn't do it I just couldn't do the whole social thing um I hated it so much um, and I was so quiet I used to go on the hop but yeah. nobody would realise I wasn't there because you know yeah. I used to cycle <laughs> I used to get um, oh my god I'd leave home in the morning and I'd have my tracksuit in my school uniform in, I'd have my school uniform on and I'd have a tracksuit in my backpack or my school bag like at the time and I'd cycle out to photo gardens um, and I'd stay there for the day I'd get changed in my tracksuit and stay there for the day just to not have to go to school to not have to to be there do you know mm-hmm. yeah I can relate to that really it's awful isn't mm-hmm. it and it's yeah. the, sh- the shyness and yeah. then the alcohol just t- oh. relieves you from that doesn't it totally yeah. secondary, totally. secondary school is a massive step from huge from, from, uh, primary life it's it? huge I feel like we need almost like a course for kids when they're transitioning from mm. Primary to secondary, do you know it's yeah. a huge deal. Like you're gone from a child to a young adult. Yeah, 
And you're supposed to, exactly, and you're supposed to behave like that. And it's a totally different system. You know, all the teachers react to you differently. You're thrown into this situation where you're doing, you now have 10 teachers instead of one. Exactly. You're not minded so much. You're supposed to be, you know. Some schools do it better than others. Um, In certain areas, um, the youth workers will also kind of fill the gap and have like um, transition programs. Now, like what you're saying, Mm. they'll work with the sixth class Mm. towards the end of sixth class and the first maybe semester or first okay. year yeah just to kind of support them but it's not um and it's ad hoc do you know what it I mean? is yeah. you know and education is tends to be a one-size-fits-all isn't yeah. it yeah. you know like and all kids are different and yeah nothing is that's really not taken yeah. into consideration but i was really shy anyway and i just i just discovered drink i suppose around 17 and that was it pinball machine lighting up here mm. i am world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I that's could it. That's be. a great way to describe it, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's not mine, actually. It's, it's just perfect. I, I heard in the rooms one night, and I thought, "Oh, uh, that's me. That is uh, me." Like this know? is what I've been looking for all yeah, my life. This is my yeah. my missing link. <laughs> yeah. Coming live, and um, I could talk to people. I could, you know, I could be myself, or what I thought was myself. Um, I could be, I could be fabulous, like you know, uh-huh. go out and drink and. We're back in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you started drinking at 17. Yeah. You were a shy girl at the time. Yeah. Drinking yeah. leaves you from the shyness, give you confidence. Yeah. Um, was the drinking chaotic from day one or did it gradually get worse? Um, it's good. It, I think it I think it gradually got worse, really. You know, mm. yeah, I, I think there was a time. No, do you know what? It, I think it was pretty bad from the start because I did things that I wouldn't do if I wasn't drinking Mm -hmm. you know so I think that's that's probably bad yeah yeah Yeah. we all do that yeah you know every single one of us we do things like that in our normal mind with all alcohol or substances yeah Mm. we would not do them like absolutely you know so like Definitely relate to that. Yeah, it just feels terrible afterwards, you know. Mm. Like and the the guilt and the shame. Oh, or if terrible. you're if you're waking up the following morning mm. and you don't you've no recollection of what happened, if you'd have to black it out oh, the stop. fear and anxiety of what did I do? Oh, What's God. the damage? Where am I? Yeah, got in the road to see where you are. Yeah, where, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! You just like just reading my mind, not even knowing where you are, looking around, just. Yeah, yeah. Have to go out onto the street to see, get a vague idea of where you are, and try and piece the night together. You know, or else waking up. James probably related to this. Or else waking up inside the cell and saying, "What fucking guard station is this?" Oh God! Oh God! Not knowing where you are, like yeah, that's another bear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I can definitely relate to you, dear. Go on anyway. Sorry for interrupting. No, you're fine. (laughs) Jesus, I am just flashbacks you know when you get flashbacks and things come into your head and you, yeah. you just behave in a way that you wouldn't um when you're not drinking mm-hmm. you know yeah. and do things that they're definitely not in your character yeah. you know um and continue to do them and then wonder why you can't stop doing them or wonder why this happens and you know like i just thought it was mental for years i didn't realize i just thought i'd you know that i was insane that i couldn't function uh, in normal life you know i couldn't you know got married very young um I suppose I was 21, I suppose, when I got married, I was pregnant. Um, and just things kind of snowballed from there. Had three kids pretty quickly. Um, so I, was, I suppose I was 25, I had three kids and very, um, very, uh, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, there was violence in the marriage. And um, Was your husband a drinker? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids didn't stand a chance, you know, two alcoholic mm. parents, you know. Um, and... They, yeah. So he was a drinker as well. As far as I know, he's still in active addiction. And um, we're divorced since uh, two thousand. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God, it's twenty years. Two thousand and four. Sorry, two thousand and four. Yeah. Do you know during yeah. COVID? Yeah. There's been a huge increase in domestic violence because oh of the drinking in the home and yeah. people are at home. Yeah. Um, have you any advice for a woman that may be listening or watching stuck in a relationship like that or mm. maybe a child in a household like that or get out of it <laughs> mm. just go run mm. run anywhere don't stay 
it's not going to get better even for men too Mm. and men and men it's a big thing for men and And tell somebody just uh, even even if there's a man watching this or listening to this Mm. that's actually the the, the aggressor it doesn't have to be like that either for him no he he can all it's just a a way of life no and a a habit and but he can also get help. It does help absolutely. there for aggressors and victims. You yeah, know? absolutely. And exactly, he doesn't have to be like that, as you say. Life doesn't have mm. to be like that. Just because we're stuck in some kind of a mold or some kind of a, a phase or whatever it is, it doesn't mean we have to stay there. Yeah, and if you're you know? in if yeah. you're in a household where there's violence like that, like mm. that's not normal behaviour, and no. that's not that, no. like when you're in an environment like that. It can become normalised. That's right. Become, what did, this is yeah. just, especially yeah. for a, if a child has grown up in a house where there's always been violent yeah. and there's always been alcohol, they just think that this is how how it is. Exactly. But that's mm. that's a very um, toxic kind of way of living. Yeah. Um, and there is way th- there is another life. And if mm. people want um, more information or help, they can contact us, and yeah. we'll put them in links with supports as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Must have been tough for you, though. Yeah, Back it then, was. Twenty-five, three kids married, and yeah, yeah, and, you know, and drink is a big, big, um, yeah, big part, big part of your life, of our like, stories. exactly, you know, you know like, and, yeah, and <clears> sometimes <throat> drink is probably is something that is blocking out a lot of the shit that's going on for you, taking you away from a lot of yeah. the, mm. the stuff that you can't face. I know that's how it was in my own life mm. with alcohol and drugs, you know. So yeah, it must have been tough, like yeah, yeah, yeah it was, and. You know, it was tough on the kids, you know, and I still carry an awful lot of that shame and guilt around that today, you know, and, um, I've, you know, and we're all kind of still suffering the consequences of those years because, you know, things have happened, you know, in sobriety, even in the last 10 years, as you know, it's not when you get sober, your life doesn't suddenly go up on the top of the sound of music hill and go, the hills are there's a lot of there's a lot of work to do like you know there's a lot of work and there's a lot of facing the truth like facing the music yeah Mm. that's exactly when it starts when you really have to look at yourself yeah and you start um going back into your life and and having to deal with a lot of the stuff that alcohol and drugs would have blocked off for all the years yeah you're left with all that stuff because your your mind isn't occupied anymore with the thoughts of where am I getting the next exactly. drink where am I getting the next drug yeah. gamble whatever it may be you know now it's occupied with what about that shameful thing I done mm. that guilty thing I done mm. you have a lot of shame and fear fear yeah all and, these different and that shyness you are masking coming yeah. back tenfold it does yeah it really really does uh, I find the first year of sobriety really difficult really difficult I was I was going out of my mind, you know, I really was like, couldn't, I couldn't handle, I suppose, just being myself without having something to get a, mm. get away from myself. I remember the you first know? meeting I went to when I come out of rehab, yeah. um, the anxiety, you know, I felt oh, yeah. without having the medication, which I, my main drug, mm. even though I was on heroin and methadone, mm. my go-to drug was Valium and Xanax and mm. Rohypnol and stuff mm. like that, complete, relieved me of any insecurity yeah. self-esteem issues that i would have had yeah i didn't give a shit when i took medication like that yeah without that presenting myself in my home city you now without that crutch the mm. anxiety i can you the first year i know like what you're talking mm. about i remember mm. being in a meeting with my coat on sweating and gasping oh, and i wouldn't take off my coat <laughs> or move just for fear somebody would look over at me i was so insecure and mm. so anxious it's a horrible feeling and being in town being in shops and just walking out the door and dropping what I was going to buy, just had to get out, you know. Mm. But it does pass. It does, it really does, you know, it really does. Like, it's it's crazy, but, you know, sometimes, you know, we all talk about the washing machine head and something, and you feel yourself, you get yourself to a meeting, and, like, a few minutes later, you feel that kind of sense of calm just coming over you, you know, and I suppose you're chasing the calm then after that, (laughs) you know, like, and, and in ways... Like I was always a very anxious person. I was a big worrier as a kid, and panic attacks would have been a big part of my story as well. And um, even up to last year, you know, um, touch wood. Yeah. And um, you know, I I suppose I had kind of OCD, you know, that obsessive compulsive disorder thing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't diagnosed with that until I was thirty seven. So I just always thought I was mental, and I just had to do these things, you know, mm-hmm. like washing the hands and 
opening and shutting the door or turning on and off the light and counting till everything feels right you know and it's and the drink would have been part of my way of my way of trying to just escape all of that as well do you know if I didn't do these things um my kids would die you know I'd be responsible for their deaths and Um, that those kinds mm. of thoughts still creep in you know they do um and now I I take for the last two years nearly I take medication for that Mm. um because it really helps me function um very good on a daily basis um otherwise I mean you know I well, the anxiety and the panic and you know what was it like to find out at 37 you <clears> know um, and you're wondering all those years what was wrong with me am I just mad is there something wrong with me mm. and then all of a sudden you're di- diagnosed with, with OCD yeah <laughs> did it help you out it did it really did, did it, it put a name you? on yeah. on those things and it uh, the counsellor um, recommended me a book uh, that I bought and that I read um Oh, jeepers, I can't remember the name of it now. But it was about how to deal with OCD, basically. Yeah. And then you realise, oh, okay, that's an actual thing. And it's not, I, I'm not necessarily, you know. Because mm-hmm. I used to think sometimes that I would just be taken away. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Things would get so crazy in my own head, you know, that mm. I'm just taken away and locked up. like. <laughs> Most of the time, I should have been just taken away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Taken away. <laughs> I think about it like, yeah. yeah. Taken away is- yeah, and we're just trying to get away from ourselves. Yeah. Towards the end mm. um, of my own, I spent most of my time locked in here. I'd be locked in here for four, oh God. three, four days at a time. Because I wasn't able to go out and drink functionally in a pub mm. because of the amount of drugs I was using. Mm. Um, and I wasn't socially, I wasn't socially able to interact yeah. with people either because I was completely paranoid. You know, um, so... <laughs> That's terrible. It does end, that's, but you know what? That mm. was all part of my, mm. um, as uh, what is it, rock bottom. Yeah, it was all exactly. leading up to this end, you know. Yeah. And like I remember sitting in this, you no, know, you can't see it, no, like, but there was a chair right there, mm. and I'd sit there and I'd be there to myself, and I'd say, "What, what, the, what is wrong with me?" Like <laughs> four days into it, no sleep, and I'd be still sitting there, and I'd say, "What is wrong with me?" Why can't I? I say, God, what's wrong, Luke? Mm. Why, why can't I stop? And, and I'd be praying away, and next two minutes later, I'd either have a drink or a bottle, or I'd take a line of cocaine or something. Mm. Do you know? <laughs> and I'm just asking, yeah. asking whoever, like, what's, what's wrong with me? Why can't I stop? And I'd pray and everything, and I'd gone back into it then two yeah. seconds later. It's, yeah. madness. it's, but it's madness. There's been occasions there as well where I went um, cold turkey from heroin. Oh you know, if I lock myself in, yeah, yeah, if I lock myself into a room, generally in my dad's gaff, mm. lock myself into a room for about five days, go through hell, hell, right? And the thing with cold turkey is, yeah, it's intense and it's five days, but when you start feeling physically better, mm. you you fool yourself into using again, and there's been times where you're actually injecting the drugs and crying at the same time. Oh, because God. you know what's ahead of you. Yeah. You're just after putting through five nights, but there was no sleep, insomnia, suicide, ideation, yeah. all this self harm thoughts, right? You got through all that, and here you are using again. Oh, that's it's it's awful. The drugs are going in, the tears are coming out, and mm. that's a place. That's one of the darkest places you can be mm. because you know what you're doing is. But you can't stop yourself from doing it. It's like what you're you're praying to God to be relieved, from, but you're taking the line to him. later. Oh, the insanity it of it. It is the insanity, yeah. and it's this like it's like a liminal space, isn't it? It's mm. like a space between two worlds, like you know. Yeah, and death and then becomes stuck there. death it's becomes exactly. appealing. Yeah. 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 No, you don't care yeah. if you live or die. That's it. I remember one night going up, like I as part of my drinking, I suppose I just. Um, I'd go off with anybody at the end of the night. Like, mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. it. I have to say that because that's that's true for me. And there was one guy in Cork one night and I was going away with him and I just thought to myself, hmm, he might kill me. And then I thought, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't care. That's And I feel such compassion for that mm-hmm. for that person now, you mm-hmm. know, like that I had to, that I had to feel that way, you know. Um, I suppose that's what happens really, Vicky, in mm-hmm. the end where you, com- you lose complete respect. Like yeah. I, I, I did myself... I often says it. I've often said it. Mm. Um, I really didn't think I'd live to the age of thirty. <laughs> yeah. I had no plans in life. Yeah, that's it. None. Yeah, me neither. I never had a plan. I never had any plans yeah. because I literally thought, 
Right, so what's the point? Mm. I'm not going to live to my 30th birthday. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I know I'm either going to die at some stage. And uh, you do anything you want, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening here can completely relate to what you just said. Mm. You know, because that's how it works. It is. That is exactly how it works. Your yeah. honesty mm. right now mm. is brilliant. Mm. You know, and I want to commend you for that. Yeah. You know, just if it helps that, anybody, that's well, all it's everybody about. Because yeah. it'll help everybody. Mm. And it's not it's not so easy to get a female mm. uh, in recovery on the podcast. Mm. Really? You know, in spite of our best efforts. Are you yeah, serious? you'll be surprised. Wow, what's that about? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's um, interesting now. We have we're we're open to, to any females mm. uh, coming on to have obviously a bit of time behind them, you know, because mm. they, they have to be in a, a, a a good place in their own lives we can't be bringing somebody on that's a little bit vulnerable and oh yeah and they absolutely. go into themselves afterwards oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's just not right for them it wouldn't be right for us it wouldn't be yeah. the right thing for me and james to do either yeah you know yeah. Um, we just haven't found the right person i suppose there was mm. been interest but yeah we just have to try and protect people too i suppose absolutely um, yeah you're right because people can you know we're, we're all vulnerable yeah and, and you know when you're in early recovery you're like oh, re- recovery is oh great and I'm going to champion this oh, and I'm going to yeah. put my and then people put themselves out there mm. then if a relapse happens and this this does happen mm. somebody puts themselves out there too early they're under immense pressure to maintain it absolutely and sometimes relapse does happen yeah you don't want the added pressure of going public and then the relapse becomes this huge guilt and that shame you thing. might never crawl out from under exactly mm. so we're always like you have to be very stable in your recovery. You have to yeah. have a bit of time behind you. Yeah, um, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, because yeah. if you have somebody in four or five weeks sober, and mm-hmm. they're on the they're on the news or the echo or the radio or on the podcast, mm-hmm. they're under a lot of pressure to relapse. And maybe relapse is always going to happen. Absolutely, you know? this is just going to tip them over. It's added pressure. So yeah. <coughs> anyway, that's always in the thinking. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're delighted to have you on. How did the <laughs> drinking come to a head? How did it end? Um, badly, really. I mean, never ends well. It doesn't end well. <laughs> surprise, oh. surprise. You know, no. <laughs> there's, you know, it's always going to be bad. Like you can yeah. count on that. But um, I suppose I, yeah, I drank away through my thirties. I got into, I decided to go back to education when I was thirty-seven. I decided to apply to UCC and do a music degree there. You know, and I had done. Um, a FOSS course in Toker out in Toker there was a music course there it was brilliant and I did that for I think a year year and a bit um, Noreen lovely woman um, and uh, so I got into UCC I was delighted but sure like I was still drinking I thought I was I thought I was 17 you know mm. going out and drinking with people and yeah. having coffee instead of going to lectures yeah. <laughs> it's just like oh this is my new social life now I mean I loved I loved every aspect of it. I loved the music. I loved the lectures. I loved the people there. It was just brilliant. Um, but sure, I crashed out of that after a year, you know. Um, so that would have been, I was 38. And then for the next two years, just got into all kinds of, like, things were just getting worse and worse. The things I was doing were just getting worse and worse. And um, I had this rule that when I was doing gigs that I'd never drink before a gig, you know. And sure, like... You just you 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 take a, a glass of wine then like at the break and you start you just keep going mm. until you pass out after that like you know mm. I mean? oh I'd never drink before a gig <laughs> no, I'll just get langers during the gig and yeah. afterwards you know God the things we say to ourselves to yeah. try and fool ourselves like but I um so I had a gig with my friend Anya who has you know I wrote the song with and um oh it was in a pub in Crosshaven and the same. Oh my God, the night before I was up in um, a B&B in Cork with this young fella and we'd bought loads of drink and some loads of Valium. I'd gotten Valium from the doctor as well. Um, and I had a, comm- so we started drinking at breakfast and then drove back down to Crosshaven because my daughter, my youngest daughter had a communion party. Um, a friend of hers was having her communion and I just remember just being really stroppy there like and I took took a bottle of champagne out of their fridge at a, at a, my daughter's friend's communion party got into my car and drove down to the gig langers and I crashed my car into a car that was carrying five teenage girls and it's only a miracle 
that nobody was hurt like do you know like an absolute miracle do you know like and so I was arrested because I got stroppy with the guard and I was brought up to the bridal and put into a cell there and um, my parents came up and collected me like you know I was 40 Mm. what year are we talking about talking 2010 Okay, ten May years. the eighth, twenty ten. Mm. Um, Something like that yeah. needs to happen. It does, yeah. You know, for for somebody yeah. that loves, yeah, alcohol or substance so much, yeah, it really needs something bad like that to happen yeah. for us to really say, "What the fuck?" You're very lucky that oh because yeah. there's some that that sometimes ends in death, yeah, and it could be multiple deaths there. Yeah, like. there could have been. I mean, I think I was on the wrong side of the road. I probably wasn't going very fast, but I, I mean, I don't know. And like it was just my higher power, I suppose, you know, uh, yeah. looking out for me there. And like, because that was my second crash. I'd car- crashed um, a couple of years previously to that. And I'd gone out through the windscreen of the car. And now I didn't hurt myself. I just broke my ribs. Like, but, you know, I was kept in overnight and stuff. But, do you know, uh, so I was put off the road for a year at that stage. And then I got back on. Sure. Drink driving was big part of my story mm. you know mm. it's a shame now thinking it's about mine. that I know. I was do you know yeah I was I, I, I was caught <laughs> drink driving twice in the space of a week and a half two weeks mm. twice um, I was arrested once for drink driving I was drunk over the limit God, amazing. they arrested me the second time for drug driving I came back drink driving and uh, I thought nothing of it yeah you know I literally would would drive on, you know. I yeah. just I didn't really care, but if I thought they were getting too close to me, then I would stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I literally no mm. understanding of the consequences of my yeah. actions if I hurt somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, but fortunately, nobody ever got hurt. Only myself. Yeah. I often woke up knowing the car mm. in bits or something after crashing the car and look mm. out the window the next morning. The car was right off as oh well. Oh God! But that was just. That was another part of my story, you know. It just goes to show the self, self, the self-centeredness and the selfishness Absolutely. of an addiction. Yeah. I remember, like being a young fella, I know, um, you'd go and rob a car if you couldn't come up off these, okay, and, and 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 you'd be driving along. <laughs> oh now I'd be a passenger because I couldn't drive back then. Yeah. But next all of a sudden the heat hit you and the music hit you. And you're fucking demented Gone. in the car <laughs> and on the wrong side of the road crashing into thing. Mm. But you've no concept of you could actually no. harm somebody, this is somebody's car or that's somebody's property or yeah. you're on the wrong side of the road. It just doesn't come into your psyche. It doesn't come into your mind at all. Not at it's all. When you're in addiction, it's just a pure selfish, selfish oh, condition. ego. And it's I know, like it was explained to me um, when I went for a treatment, you're, you know, you've got really low self-esteem and then your ego goes up to here so that's a really dangerous combination mm. you know and like it was all ego you know when I was drinking I was I was oh I was absolutely awful you know mm. um, did awful things and the thought of that now like the thought of anybody crashing into one of my kids you know I'd want to fucking kill that person mm. I just want to kill and him and that's a normal reaction yep totally you know? normal I'd yeah. be the same you know yeah. if, if I came mm. across somebody that acted like mm. the way I did back then yeah. I would be fairly pissed as well you yeah. know and, and I'm fortunate that I I never hurt anybody and, yeah. and I have been I've been in a few really bad accidents mm. e- either on bikes or cars bikes. or whatever you know and I'm really really blessed you know um, that I'd never hurt anybody like mm. that you know and and I know it's wrong and I'm sure there's going to be people that are watching the podcast may have had somebody hurt or something in, mm. in a car crash by a drunk driver. I like, and my heart really goes out to Oh, him. God, me too. And that's the truth of it, you know. Um, it's just, it's, mm. it's just... I can't believe... No explanation, I did really. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just because it's, when you mm. when you come into recovery, mm. you just become um, so caring as well. Like, you want to help mm. others and then... You just become this different person that is hard to associate with the person that was in the addiction and done yeah. those selfish, mean things oh, that yeah. there's no consideration for anybody. Yeah. Um. But and just for people in in addiction at the moment, um, you're not a bad person. Yeah. You might be doing bad things, but yeah. you know, once you look, once you box off the addiction and address that, the real person will come out. That's I right. suppose recovery yeah. allows us to make amends and yeah, kind of exactly. make make good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and did you find that process difficult or 
um, the, in, in recovery, the, the guilt, the shame and all this. Really difficult. Really difficult. How was your kids with you? Um, my daughter, my eldest daughter, Alex, actually, who's in Amsterdam now. Uh, she's 26 now. Um, Jesus, she's not, she's 27. Yeah, but when she was... in trouble, was, anyway, for getting that wrong. I'm <laughs> totally in trouble now, she's going to kill me. <laughs> I love you. Bye, Alex. <laughs> But um, so when she was 14, um, that was kind of the when my drinking was getting really bad. She left home. She left home. Um, she didn't want to live with me anymore. Um, and she went in to live with her grandparents. And not an ideal situation, do you know. I mean, uh, it wasn't up to them to be raising her. And she didn't really want to be there. But, you know, it it worked out in terms of... Uh, for her because she didn't she she would go anywhere rather than live with me she'd mm-hmm. had enough of me she didn't want to know me um and it was i think i was sober uh nearly two nearly three years um when she came back to live with me then you know and that was huge um my youngest daughter billy she's 16 um she would have been six when i stopped drinking so she would have um not as many vivid memories as the others you know but it's been very difficult for my two sons you know um and uh my eldest son we've we've a difficult relationship but we love each other to bits as well you know like Mm. and uh my younger son then um he's had his own struggles uh not with addiction but with other things and um so it's never you know you there are consequences to what you do you know no matter what you do like and sometimes facing them is really difficult and sometimes uh it's it's very heavy you know and um just get bad days and at the stage i kind of um i allow myself to say i'm i'm feeling not feeling great today yeah (laughs) you know it's part of life isn't it yeah some some days are tough you know and um yeah there's the baggage follows yeah um and consequences are last thing yeah. sometimes you know but you can only do what you're doing today yeah i think mm. like the what i'm getting from you your energy is you have big happy <laughs> glowy energy oh thanks a you know. people <laughs> always say it to me when i tell them mm. how, if i'm ever talking to them about my past or whatever and they say well, mm. you you were doing this i know and yeah I say, well yeah <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know, that's the difference of of the two two different people. Yeah. You know, Timmy back then to Timmy, how I am now. You know, I live live as I can be as hot as I was back then. Yeah. You know, I can still have a bit of fire in my belly. I mm. still have that fire. You know, but mm. my behaviors mm. in terms of the way I was, they're gone. Yeah. You know, and and I was listening to you, you were talking about your 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 daughters and your son sons. You know. And your daughter going back in after the three years, mm. that was great to have that little bit of a bonding oh, process as well. Brilliant, like, you she's, know, she's brilliant, you mm. know, she's such a star, like, you know. I could be in the mm. same situation, I could be sitting in your chair now talking mm. about that too, because I yeah. have a young family as well. Yeah. But I managed to give it up at a younger age, yeah. you know, um, and I had my wife who wasn't in addiction uh, or anything like that to be able to bring the kids up and, mm. and shield them from my madness yeah. and the chaotic behaviours that were going on in my life at the yeah. time. You know, um, and, and, and while you were talking, mm. I was thinking of myself, you know, and my heart was going up to you, seriously. I was saying, jeez, <laughs> you know, because I know what it's like. You have no awareness of the actions, yeah. of your own actions when you're you're caught up in alcohol or, or, or drugs or whatever, mm. you know. It's only when you stop and you get a little bit of awareness and you're left to deal with all these things that oh, yeah. happened, mm. you know, and you all have oh, shame dirt, of it dirty and the guilt. And, yeah, it does feel, you know? yeah. But it does, it does <clears throat> slowly <clears throat> get lighter and lighter and lighter, mm. you know, as time goes by. Yeah. But it, major thing for me was, mm. was just giving yourself a small bit of compassion. Mm, definitely. Yourself. That was, that took me years that took me yeah. years now. Yeah, it did, yeah. you know. And I think I was impossible sometimes, even in sobriety, because I was just being, like people would say, stop being hard and stop being so hard on yourself. But I don't know, something in me, it, it was resisting it, I suppose, resisting that bit of compassion or something. And But then, you know, like 
I realized that all of those things I did when I was drinking, I haven't done any of them since I've been sober. Yeah. You know, like it's just not in my nature to do that stuff, you know, like and so I suppose that counts for something, you know. Like it's it's, it's like like when you're caught up in addiction mm. you're you're what everything yeah you do whatever you want <laughs> yeah. you know regardless of what other people think or what what you're doing to them you just it's all about me and my drink and my drugs and mm. you know and everybody else can whatever and that's all everybody else just in the way aren't they and then when just you the stop mm. when you stop all that changes yeah you know yeah but you're 10 years in recovery now. 10 years in recovery. Um, you're going That's well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a, a little bit about your music? Maybe yeah. the music you sing, your musical yeah. influences and your musical <clears throat> career. Jesus. Um, I've I've always been writing, I suppose, like, you know, writing words and things like that. I was writing poetry and stories when I was a kid. And I suppose I didn't start really putting them to music till I was in my 20s, maybe, and started writing songs. Um, and I was always, um, I was always in music, um, I wasn't in a band. First band I was in was, in, was with my uh, ex-husband, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, and their friend. And I was I, that's the first time I sang in public. And then I was always asked to do stuff after that. I was in a Bob Dylan band for years, and um, then I started writing my own stuff. Is it in another original band? And then I was in um, when I suppose around thirty, I had my first band with all my material in it, and. Um, I kind of went on from there really I suppose I was always asked to do things but um, then when I met Dick um, as I said I started singing with them with uh, Christy and them you know and uh, that was brilliant that was amazing because you know uh, you're watching um, a professional machine just Mm. doing what it should be doing and Mm. of course you know Christy being sober and everything he doesn't he people know about that you know Um, it's a very safe place to be, you know. Yeah. There's no alcohol. There's it's no ideal, alcohol. really. Totally, totally ideal, you know. And so. he's such a legend as well. He's amazing. Uh, but he's he seems like very. He <clears> seems <throat> like an ordinary guy that you could know airs and graces about him, even though yeah. he is a living legend. Yeah. What's he like in the flesh? Or what's it like to work with him? It's it's brilliant because he's so he's so professional. Everything around him is it it works so smoothly. Everything is he's a fantastic team built up around him. But that's because he is who he is you know he's people who've been with them for the last 20 years more um like uh everybody around him paddy mick uh johnny um dickon davy jeff um all the lads they're just they're all brilliant people mm. and just great to be around mm. um and he's so like he gets nervous every time he goes on stage every night he's nervous yeah. you know that shows how much he cares about what he's doing. Mm. Um, you can see how passionate he is completely. about his music. When, like, I'm a big Christy yeah. Moore fan myself. Oh, brilliant! The first yeah. two songs yeah. I learned on the guitar. Ah, stuff. Oh yeah, it was black as the color and right on. Oh, lovely! And I used to be inside in Midlands at the <laughs> time, and I'd yeah. be inside and I'd be practicing, keep practicing and practicing, and I used to love it. You he's, know, he's the words of them songs. Oh. Mm. Um, I would have bought a book as well afterwards called Roydon by Jimmy McCarthy and yeah. I looked at, because there was a lot of the songs that Christy sings and other, uh, other artists sing and mm. I wanted to know the background to the actual music itself oh, and Jimmy explains each song on it oh, brilliant. and Bright Blue Rose was one of them and I was saying what? a lot of words and then I was, saying, What's the I was trying to figure it out you know, yeah. and, I, <laughs> and I bought the book and I oh, looked lovely. at it yeah. And it explains a lot of it, and the contender as well. By yeah, oh, that's a fantastic. Oh song. my god, that makes me cry every time. Mm-hmm. Every time, yeah. Like and it's sure as Jack Doyle. It's yeah. exactly. I read his or his biography. It wasn't yeah. by him, but yeah. it was by somebody else. Oh, yeah. maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. Such yeah. a sad story. Another. Yeah. You know, he died a drunk. Like. Yeah. You know, he died. He died. So sad. He, he died with nothing. Yeah. He died nothing. With nothing yeah. uh, for somebody that had. Everything he was, yeah. he was married to a Mexican woman. By uh, was it? He stole her off Marilyn Brando. Yeah, yeah. He actually gave. He actually gave. Uh, Clap Gable a few clatters. Oh, you did, you did actually. Yeah. Jesus, there's drama. I know, I know. That's an exclusive. Yeah. No TMZ. Yeah. He's from Cove as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, um, this, he, was a, he was a massive man. He was six Huge. foot four. He was a boxer. Yeah. yeah. 
And he went. He was he went to Hollywood. To be a fantastic singer. Oh, he's an incredible singer. Mm. Apparently, mm. yeah, really yeah. good singer and an actor and everything. Yeah. You know? And yeah. do you know what? That makes me proud as well. Not just to be yeah. a, a corpsman, but yeah. Irish, to know that yeah. somebody had such a stature in, in America in the in those movie times. scene and the, yeah. the music, you know. Yeah. He sounded like he was quite confident. and you know, Definitely. So we're talking there about the mother and baby homes. Mm. Um, and you wrote a song about it, which mm. you're going to perform a little bit of that there now. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your own time, or was there anything you want to say before you start singing? Yeah, just to say that, you know, um, this incident with the 798 children happened in one mother and baby home in Ireland. And it's unknown how many uh, instances of that there are really all throughout the country. And if you just think of how one family might be impacted by the loss of a brother or a sister that they never knew anything about and they're searching for all their lives, wondering, just wanting to find out what happened to them. So you imagine, or, or the mother who was, you know, put in there because of shame and, you know, the shame to do about sex in our society, the shame about being, you know, an unmarried mother and the child being illegitimate. And all of those things are carried down to subsequent generations, you know, like... We talk about, you know, we wonder why we have a problem with addiction in this country um, and with alcohol and why people are experiencing homelessness and why they're wandering the streets. You know, like, we have to ask ourselves, like, is that just a symptom of something deeper? I think that's a symptom of the real cause, which is, I think we have a problem with the truth in this country. We have a culture of denial around things, trauma, that happened on a national level and they're never spoken about, you know? And it's like... When you don't speak about something, it stagnates and it builds up and it poisons things. Do you know, like water that's gone toxic because it's stagnant. That's the same kind of energy that we're passing down from generation to generation. Mm. And unless there's acknowledgement of that and an apology, um, there can't be any healing and we'll carry it with us for future generations. So we have an opportunity now, once and for all, to acknowledge it, heal it and move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's all any all those people want, you know. Yeah. It I'm I'm just sitting here and, and what's going through my head at this moment is how lucky I am and how yeah. lucky my kids are that we're living in this these times that Absolutely. like if 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 we were living back then But even know, even in these times this happening in direct provisions and this happening yeah. in prisons yeah. and in homeless hostels we're still yeah. neglecting a whole cohort yeah. of people. Yeah. And the direct provision people of today are going to be the mother and baby homes of yesterday Absolutely. and we're repeating the cycle over and over again yeah, we are. Um, and yeah, we you know are that in, needs in to be acknowledged too yeah it all needs to be acknowledged like because do you know as you said you know that's going to be the mother and baby homes of tomorrow and all of these people are falling through the cracks in our society we can't allow them to fall through do you know we have to have a support net for them do you know yeah. we have no very little mental health services for youth, we were just talking there, James, a while yeah. ago about no, you know, there's the prison or yeah. there's the homeless the shelter. The prison or the homeless shelter, and that's nothing it. in between. You know, like why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how many pubs do we have in this country? How many hotels are they building? Don't mm-hmm. tell me there's not money there for them. I don't mm-hmm. believe that for a second. You know, with footbridges worth a million in, in between two other bridges. Because we need a footbridge so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, look, we digress. Yeah, we do. We bring it back, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And your little uh, song that you wrote with your friend yeah. about the mother and baby home. Cool. Thanks, James. Uh, this is the mother and baby home. Uh, it's called The Poor Ground. Um, and we wanted to write it so that all of these people would never be forgotten. We need to remember them. And it's by myself and Anya O'Gorman and uh, Jamie Kelly. Um, and I'm going to use Timmy's bar on if he doesn't mind (laughs) (laughs) that he made (laughs) yeah thanks okay Okay. Uh. when I began to love I A dream I lost my hold on earth when I 
began to love when I began to love a tiny spark that burned just for a little while when I began to love when your essence creeps and your thoughts they creep and it hurts to breathe cause you cannot tell me where you might be found in the poorest ground not a single sound only memory don't forget us very good, Bulabus. <laughs> Very good. And look, if people want to connect with you, they yeah. can through your social medias yeah. and they can support your music. Um, yeah, I, I do a live Facebook show every Friday night at 8 o'clock. Um, Very good. Little Rooms, Big Music. Uh, that's the name of my Facebook page. Like so, yeah. And we link all your social medias in the description here. So again, thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much um, for having me. I just want to thank you for your honesty again. Thanks so much you know, to for me. being so honest about your story. Thanks. You know. There's no point in coming here if you're not no. going to be honest because you set the ball, you set the bar that way by being honest yourselves. Yeah. yeah. So. And so many different women, particularly, mm-hmm. are going to really relate to your story mm. and it's going to help them as well you know and it's going to help them to understand the grip of alcoholism that mm. it can have in any mother yeah. not just yourself or them any mother you know so mm. I commend you for that yeah. Yeah. well done and hi to your kids yeah hello Alex, Alex. in Amsterdam <laughs> um, Alex in Amsterdam brilliant Billy, Gino and Sam yeah Billy, yeah every one of them everyone. Yeah. hello and hi Christy and hi Christy hi Christy and hi, hi to my grandson my grandson David yeah, be cute. <laughs> but um, and thanks to everybody at home and everybody listening and watching in Australia, Canada, the UK, Germany, the Cayman Islands, and everything. There's people listening, so um, great to have you on board. And um, hope you enjoy the podcast. And before we leave, I just want to say a big thank you to, and I have to read it because I won't remember it, the Department of Rural and Community Development and the Cork City Local Community Development Committee. Um, for providing us with a thousand euros grant, which we were able to buy um, brand new camera, a brand new tripod, and a lovely desk, so that Rowan can assemble everything in a nice, streamlined and clean uh, way. So thanks a million, Cork City Council, for the grant, and we'll see everybody next week. Slant. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you